everyone welcome back to ga fan tv my name is aaron i'm delighted delighted to be joined here today by daniel hussey from uh, tackling sport and pundit arena we're here to preview the dublin footballers and hurlers of ahead of the the upcoming national football league and hurling league of course as well um i suppose first of all dara uh, great to have you on i suppose we we had the hurling action at the weekend so i suppose great to great to have the ga back now full in full swing yeah, it's brilliant. Like I was just saying to you off air, it's great, you know, having another alternative to watching Premier League football, to be honest with you. And it was it was amazing seeing Antrim in particular, like because, you know, Hurling is like not to get too down into this, like, but it's a very closed shop and uh, there's a very a lot of snobbery in the likes of Antrim and stuff like that from certain um, certain quarters. So the fact they went and beat Claire, to be honest with you, is pretty pretty chuffed about it. Um, and it just kind of shows you that these these counties, if they're given the kind of support, um, they can do it. So that bodes well for Lee McCarthy. They're making their return to Lee McCarthy. And it, there was just brilliant storylines from the weekend and we haven't even had the football yet. So it's, it's, as I said, it's just brilliant to have it back, to be honest with you. And I'm excited for this weekend as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Like definitely, definitely seeing Antrim beating Clare. Like definitely one of the one of the shocks of the weekend, I suppose, and just good in general, I suppose, to have a, a lot of action back, I suppose, across across all the different divisions in hurling. I suppose much like myself, I'd imagine anyway for yourself, it's been great being a, a Dublin fan over the past ten years or so. Like I mean, especially from a football point of view, anyways. I mean, I suppose they haven't really they haven't done too much wrong over in the in that ten year period. No, it, it's a joy watching them and like you go into a random National League game, you know, January 2018, February 2019 or whatever, and you just see an impeccable performance from a team that are only in second gear. Uh, it's like the likes of Brian Fenden, Conor Callan, Kieran Kilkenny, like these are just incredible footballers, like like without mentioning Stephen Clucks. And so, yeah, it's been amazing. Like I grew up with the, you know, early noughties era, like 2004 onwards. And I can, you know, recall every single county that knocked us out. Kerry 04, Tyrone 05, Mayo 06, Kerry 07, uh, with Tyrone 08, Kerry 09. Cork 10 um, and in a weird way I kind of look back at those moments a bit more fondly because you kind of grew up and I, we always wanted that coveted All-Ireland and I guess it's the five in a row was something I really wanted to do just because it was you know has never been done and unprecedented but six in a row last year I don't know whether it was COVID or anything it didn't quite mean a big deal to me personally to be honest with you I'm not going to lie to you like it was it was great seeing Dublin win because you know you've kind of grown up watching a lot of those players but I couldn't sit here and say I was absolutely enthralled excited I wanted to good match more than anything but yeah maybe you know crowds come back this year could get a bit more into supporting the Dublin as opposed to looking at the championship as a whole but yeah it's it's almost like we're six in a row going for seven I, I don't know maybe I don't have that route the streak in me that a lot of Dublin fans seem to have and that's great that they're enjoying it uh, I'm not enjoying it as much as I did maybe you know the three four in a row possibly five in a row um, like I, I just want to go back to losing my point to Mayo in 06 and crying my eyes out in, in the upper <laughs> Davin stand like that's that's what I remember fondly but uh, you have to no, be careful I am what you wish for to. now well, that's it. That's the other side. Like a couple of years, and I'll be wanting it more. But uh, yeah, no, there's great battles over the years. Like the Dublin team's incredible. Take nothing away. What they've done, Jim Gavin and Desi Farrell taking over that. It's just it is a joy, and it's an it's an honor watching going into Crow Park and watching those those players play. Like it's amazing. Yeah, it's a weird one for myself as well because like a, on one side of things, you kind of want that ruleless streak to continue. You want to just beat everyone comfortably, but at the same time. I was kind of similar to yourself in terms of the early, you know, 2004, 2005. Like, that was really when I started going to Gaelic football matches and seeing them play. And I was 16 when Dublin won the All-Ireland in 2011. And it was, you know, it was their 16th year without winning it. So, 
I suppose it's it's different for the generation that are probably watching Gaelic football in Dublin nowadays because they see Dublin as this team that just can't lose. Like I'd imagine there's probably going to be a lot of Dublin fans whenever they do lose that probably break down completely because you know it's something that just uh, it's it's kind of crazy really how how successful they have been over the past you know like winning six in a row and all that. Yeah, like I think a similar age at sixteen in twenty eleven as well. So maybe I might have been seventeen, but like you said, I grew up like the Tyrone replay. I was never like I was so convinced we were going to win the first day, even more convinced the second day. And I think well, it was two eighteen one fourteen, so seven point defeat. Oh six, and then you had the the battle of the hill, and then oh mm-hmm. seven, Kerry. That you know we lost by two points. Stephen Cluxon had the ball one point down, and he kicked the ball to the sideline. Kerry worked it up, scored the second point in injury time to to win by two. Then oh eight, we got absolutely battered, and oh nine, and that was a that was the low. I was like, we're never going to win an All Ireland. We have never been further away. And then when we lost to Meath by five goals, I, I vividly remember my dad, and he never. I don't think he's ever booed a team in his life and he booed the team <laughs> off the pitch. And to be honest with you, he wasn't the only one. I think a lot of people wanted Gilroy's head. And I remember sitting in Crow Park, there was 20,000 of us watching Dublin Tipperary in the qualifiers round two. And we were brutal. Like we we beat them well, but we were brutal. And it might've been Armagh. I can't remember who else we got. And then we, we went and beat Tyrone and yeah. And we should have beaten Cork that year, which would have been, a, I think we would have won that or sign off Cork. Yeah. Well, yeah. We should have beaten Cork and we would have had down in the all Ireland final. And then your chance is gone. Then Kerry going heavy favourites 11 after that Donegal game. Yeah, they're the memories you kind of like. And to be honest with you, like the the, the 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 games Dublin had, say like the 2016 and 17 battles with Mayo, they were absolutely incredible games. And the 2019 All Ireland final aside, I think from 2018 onwards, I just haven't had the same buzz about it. Uh, aside from those two incredible uh, All Ireland finals in 2019 which I think standalone were incredible games given, you know, how historic they were, but I just haven't had the same connection. Not to, it's not the Dublin team fault. They're just, they're, they're too good. Uh, mm. I, I don't know, like maybe like I was kind of like, cause I'm an Arsenal fan that's going really badly. Obviously the Irish soccer team. And someone said to me, you have the dubs. I'm like, well, that's going too well at the moment. So just nothing really exciting. But yeah, mm. like it's, uh, it's, as I said, what Jim Gavin's done, Desi Farrell, absolutely incredible stuff. And it's a joy watching those players. Yeah, because I suppose it's the it's the journey to success, isn't it? Like it's you know you're kind of building yourself up, you know, you especially with with twenty eleven in particular. I think that was probably the the main, I suppose, moment for most Dublin fans because obviously the two years previous, you know, you had that defeat to Kerry when they absolutely hammered us. Like, what even memories do you have of the the twenty eleven final? I don't even know if you were at the game or and and what do you even think as well was kind of like the turning point for the Dubs even. In, in that kind of season, I suppose, and, and after the, the Mead game in 2010 as well. Yeah, well, just maybe a memory on the 20, you mentioned the 2009 All Ireland quarter final. We were actually in, on holidays in, in San Diego. Like our, our uncle lives over there, and we basically went to an American or an Irish bar in America at about six in the morning. And we got there like just before throwing. And my dad, there was myself, my dad, and my younger brother. So it was like $20 per per person no matter what age you were to watch the game like there was before GA go obviously so he handed over the first $20 as the, as the ball got thrown in the second one as Gooch got the ball and the third one as it went in the back of the net and honestly that was the end of the game like because after I was like we're not going to win here uh, and then obviously a 2010 but like 2011 was a weird because we, we just got the season tickets in the Cusack but uh, my dad wanted one of his mates to go with him so long story short I went with one of my mates to the hill and it was believe it or not my first time on the hill for the wow. which was that was that all iron final and it was just crazy because to be honest all the way through the game I was like Kerry like before going into the game Kerry you're gonna win during the game just Kerry were always at arm's length and 
Uh, I think it was a Gooch got the point to put them four up before, and Kevin Mack got the goal in the place. And it was kind of a blur from there on. Like, you know, Kevin Nolan got a point, Bernard Brogan got a point, and then it upset Stephen Cluxon. But uh, the scenes, like myself and them, I made mine. We were two old lads, the four of us, just all on top of each other. You think now with COVID, now you'd never do that again. But it was. Uh, it was it was wild, like to be honest with you. But my personal favorite memory of that era is actually the two years later in that 2013 All Ireland semi final. And it's it for some reason like I started going out with a few of my mates to the game, you know, having a couple of points before, and all of a sudden you're you're in that category of the dubs that turn up five minutes before showing. And we, we ended up being really at the front of the hill because we were so late, not late, but we were like you know two minutes before showing. So we ended up being like we had a terrible angle for the whole game, but we were right beside Kevin McMenamin when he scored, and the place just went absolutely nuts. Like I don't like that. That was peak, I think, because I while we won the first All Ireland, I was listening to Kerry Cousins telling us how lucky we were, and obviously we didn't make it in twelve, and then to beat them in thirteen was pretty sweet. And beat them by seven points as well, similar to seventy-seven semi-final. So it was a uh, magical, like magical memories, like and. That's that's like I want. I don't mind Dublin winning every All Ireland from now on. I just want those kind of games where it's tight with five minutes to go. Um, just I think that makes it more exciting. You always want to win like that. I think. Hundred percent. Yeah, like the the thirteen semi final in particular. I was at that game as well. Like it was just it was iconic stuff. Probably the best game I've ever been to and ever seen. Like the twenty eleven game. That was the only All Ireland final I've ever been to, and it was definitely. Like I mean the the scenes are like I suppose when Kevin McManaman scored that goal. I remember we had a couple of Kerry fans beside us at the time, me and one of my mates, and um, they went missing for the final ten minutes. I think after that Kevin McManaman goal went in, I think they just I think they just left because like it was like and I kind of don't blame them because it, things got really messy. Like there was people going from one end of the stand like behind us who were in front of us. There was people falling over. I think I lost my phone at one point. I mean. Crazy scenes altogether, but 2013, yeah, like probably the the best game I've ever been to, and probably I don't I don't know, it might be probably one of the best games of all time, maybe. That's amazing, and even watching it back on YouTube, you've Darren Maloney and Kevin McStay commentating on it, and the way they commentate just magic. Like that when that kickout's going, it's anyone's game until the, like a lucky bounce comes our way, and. Yeah, and my favourite thing, Crow Park, you mentioned like Kerry fans and even Mayo fans are battles. It's when you know Kerry or Mayo get a point. And you're on the hill, so you can see the whole stadium. You start seeing these pockets of Mayo, the loud Mayo fans of you, Upper Hogan. And it just, you start looking around, just going, geez, we're surrounded here. Because obviously, Dubs have the majority of the hills. So maybe Mayo in particular would outnumber you the rest of the stadium. But even to give Mayo a mention, don't want to give Kerry too much because it's been Mayo that really pushed us the last few years. Uh, there's nothing better than Dublin Mayo, all our semi final or final in Crow Park. Because Mayo, near, like, it's, it's basically 50 50 in the stadium. And those fans are absolutely incredible. And then the dubs kind of, we kind of wake up a bit because we need to kind of find our voice. And those games are just epic. When Aidan O'Shea has a ball and you're on the hill and everyone's telling, you know, all, shouting all sorts of them, that's that's the moments you kind of hit for, really. And Killian O'Connor gets an awful time as well. I don't know what it is about those two lads. They must be all right. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe with Killian O'Connor, it's just because he's really good and he just causes Dublin so many problems. I think that's I think that's the main reason probably why he gets abuse i know lee keegan gets a bit of abuse as well but again it's just because they're great players you know if they at the end of the day like if you're if you're getting abuse off the hill like you're probably doing something right for your own county anyways like and especially with lee keegan aiden o'shea these lads like like i know obviously in all Ireland finals they haven't always maybe performed to their absolute best and um, don't think aiden o'shea's ever scored in a final from play anyway as far as i remember but i suppose those games in general with mayo like when you're you're thinking back to even 2015 as well the two semi-finals um i suppose like it's it's harsh on them in many ways because i feel like they probably deserve to at least win one of those games but dublin just always seem to have the 
the extra edge, I suppose, especially with the bench and, and everything else as well. Yeah, it's like how much do you put it put it down to like Dublin really just seeing out games compared to Mayo? And then like I personally think there's a, a huge amount of luck when teams are so tight. Like it's literally just one one ball comes off a post, one doesn't. Like you're you're right. Like personally, I think Mayo are definitely good for at least one of those all Ireland's be it in 15 I think they'd have beaten Kerry if they got through 16 and 17 particularly 17 I thought um and it's just sorry the 16 first game I don't know how Dublin got out of that two yeah. on goals wasn't it two on two on goals yeah I think they had something like um only two points from play in the first half never been done before in an all Ireland final well like I played Gav well, like I'm playing Gav for 20 years and I remember one on goal in in 20 years playing football so like there you go two in an all Ireland final like I understand there was chances being made and yeah, it just seemed Dublin always managed to, and it, again, it's it's largely down to how incredible Dublin were. But Jesus, Mayo left a lot after them, and, and sometimes like you can put it all out there, and you just you just don't win. So I think they get a little bit of hard time, particularly from the dubs, in then comment sections of uh, a lot of uh, articles I would read and stuff, and give them a hard time. But they were definitely they're good for one. They didn't get it. Uh, the team's kind of it's going to take a couple of years for Mayo to get back. Like they obviously got to the All Ireland final. Their age profile is a lot younger than Dublin. I'd like to see them win one. With you know O'Connor and O'Shea still there, um, if it's not at Dublin's expense, but yeah, not to to make an absolutely amazing rivalry in twenty years, it would it would it needed Mayo to to win one of those All Irons, which it was a pity, like, um, and even that fourteen uh, uh, semi final replay, I actually went down to that um, against Kerry. Uh, there were two epic games, and the way they didn't win that, it just it was the start of it, really. But um, yeah, great memories, like, and to be honest, I just want to get back to that eighty two thousand in Crow Park. Dublin Mayo or Dublin Kerry you made, made the best team win because they're just magic and the standard of Gaelic football I know it's got a hard time in recent years with the likes of Jim McGuinness coming on board but me personally at the top level those top four or five teams those games are absolutely incredible and particularly when they're played at Crow Park in front of full stadium Yeah and I suppose you might have Tyrone maybe potentially coming back you know especially with new management in there as well like in Conor McKenna Cahill McShane so that could be you know the Tyrone Dublin rivalry could be something to, to watch out for I suppose in the in the next couple of years I suppose, like, what did what did you make of that final ultimately last year against uh, against Mayo? Like, obviously, I suppose for most Dublin fans, anyway, I think we were probably expecting it at the start of the year, anyway, to be either a Kerry or a well, I suppose Kerry were coming through Munster, so that they would have been the most probable. But in the end, it was Mayo once again. So, what 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 did you think of that final, anyways? Well, it's just typical. You have to have to have a small word on on Kerry, like how they did that against Cork. It's just beyond me. It's laughable, really. Um, preparing for Dublin so much that you forget to beat the team in front. It's and just just on Dublin, like I know they go into games like 20 points in the handicap and all this in Leinster, but they have never delivered a performance in Leinster since they started winning all this since 2010. That hasn't been that hasn't that hasn't been, you know, at least par, if not way better. Like they're just so ruthless, like the way they just disband the teams. The the likes of Kerry maybe at times they're too busy worried about the dubs. Similar to they were too busy worried about Tyrone for a few years back in the early nineties. Um yeah, like it was like I always used to side Kerry. They got a soft all Ireland in 04 and 06 because they had to beat Mayo. And then when it came up against a real team against Tyrone, they didn't do it. So I have to say, Dublin probably got a soft all Ireland last year. Like the, 
the, the second best team in the country is Kerry. Best player in the country is David Clifford, in my opinion. And they never got the opportunity to show it because uh, they, they messed up. And that's down to the management and the players as well. Donegal, I don't. I think Dublin would have had Donegal's number, to be honest with you. Tyrone, we're still in a little bit of transition. Obviously, this year, like you said, they could potentially, although that's always seems the way with Tyrone. Like, oh, they've got great forwards. I just, they haven't really done it on the big day over the last few years. But fair play to Mayo for getting there. Like, they put it up to Dublin. They had a couple of chances. Like, they're early in the first half. I was thinking, geez, Dublin are all over the place. But they always, they got the couple of goals. Um, and they were just like ruthless. And the fact that they, Brian Howard and Paul Mannion didn't start that all Ireland final. I don't know if that was Desi Farrell trying to put his own stamp on the team and maybe taking it too far in the sense that nobody in the right mind. I know Brian Howard and Mannion had their kind of issues, either, you know, uh, injuries or whatever. But Brian Howard not to start that all Ireland final was a bit ridiculous. I know he came on at halftime. But Dublin, like, they just they just saw it out well. Like, Cluxton he didn't have the grass first half, then just nails every kick out in the second half. They just found a way to do it. But, it, it, you know, with 20 minutes to go, the game was over. It was just, it wasn't, as I said, as I said to you top of the show, I wasn't overly excited about it as a fan. But yeah, you have to credit to Dublin. And I think the best thing that happened to those players was that COVID break because they put so much energy in that five in a row. And I actually think Jim Gavin got a lot of things wrong in that first game, like not moving Johnny Cooper off David Clifford sooner. Um, who, who did that recently? Yeah, Mikel Arteta did that with Danny Ceballos in the Europa League. Like this is basic stuff. And um, I just think the pressure got to Dublin a lot and they still managed to win it. And I think that took a lot out of them. And the fact they got that break between March and October, pretty much, uh, and the lads went back to their play, uh, their clubs. And James McCarthy's actually on record saying that that was a big part of them. They were grouped and they were fully motivated. Um, and I think that played a major part that break Dublin had. And it just, they were just, they were way better than Mayo on the day. Fully deserved it to play the ten times. They probably win win at nine. Like they were just far far better than them. So yeah, it was a pretty you know routine enough all iron. I'm be hopeful this year. Like you mentioned, Tyrone Kerry come back. I guess Mayo have another year on board. Although I'm not quite sure of them with the amount of retirements they've had, but. Yeah, it, like it, Dublin are just in, incredible. Like I know everyone says Brian Fenton hasn't lost the championship game, but neither is John Small. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's that's ridiculous. And John Small is twenty eight, like so, and he's been on the scene since twenty fifteen, which is obviously a great year to come in if you're going to play for Dublin. But yeah, they were just unbelievable. Yeah, there's, there's so many players in that team. Like I think even Conor Callaghan, who's coming in, he hasn't lost a game. Like there's so much talent all across the board, really, that's come into Dublin over the past few years. I suppose it it has had its critics, obviously, as well. And although I'm I'm tired of talking about the whole Dublin dominance debate, like uh, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on it, I suppose, as well. Like what, it, like obviously, you had uh, Ray Canellan coming out with a, an open letter last year. Um, former Westmead footballer and he was kind of going through the facts all the the funding and, and everything else um, and, and potentially split in Dublin like what what was your take on all that yeah like I, I I'd be honest I'd be honest I'd be like they made a right mess of it in the sense that 2004 Dublin you know not just the inter-county team but club football in Dublin and needed a boost because we were losing players to other sports so if you put your GA hat on we want as many uh, club players playing GA as possible, which has kind of led to, you know, has partly led to this in the sense that their intentions were correct. Like every club in Dublin has a games development officer where the county board pays half it and the club pays the other half. Now, for bigger clubs, they would have been able to afford to do that regardless. But like I play for Geraldine Moran's for a small club like ourselves, I've seen the incredible work that's gone on since I'm not, I'm not sure the exact year, maybe 2008 or nine when we got one, maybe a little bit later. And the difference between then and now, it's just like a completely different club. And it's not a case that other clubs in Dublin have slowed down either. They've all gone on that upward tra- trajectory. So it's like every club in Dublin, you know, 
as long as they've got a, a good underage structure, they've got a good games development offer, has has gone on that kind of path. The problem with other counties, like and we all we've been over this a hundred times, is they don't have um a that that support in place to have it, and b they don't even have possibly the the population in the sense that the amount of people wanting to play football and like and heard and sorry I should I should say so it's just it's it's an absolute mess now because like per like per player Dublin are probably getting too much anyway but like the demand for Gaelic games is in Dublin and will continue to be in Dublin and to a lesser extent cities like Galway and Cork so where are we going to be in 10 years time if nothing's done it's going to be even worse like the, the divide is just good like it's only gone one way like Dublin well we'll still have great games against Kerry, Tyrone and Mayo like the Leinster Championship might as well not exist to be honest which is a bit of a farce for championship for the last few years um, has this played a part in the Dublin Cedar team like yes it definitely has because like a lot of these players came through that games development officer like and, and games development coaching and it's little things like having that strength and conditioning coaching in those inter-county under 15 and 16 setups um that you're able to continue on like brian fenton is an absolute uh, animal but that's not happened over like two or three years like i saw a picture of him in his first all Ireland final 2015 and you compare that player to, to 2021 version now and the 2021 version would absolutely rinse that 2015 player yet that 2015 player was arguably one of the best players in the country that year so that just shows you that the the strength and conditioning they had already and they've just managed to layer it every year and year every every year like so like in terms of what can be done, like, there's a reason it hasn't been sorted out. There isn't a great deal that can be done. Like obviously, the, you could cut the funding to Dublin, which I think should happen. I think it should be spread a lot more equally um, to the likes of Kerry and Mayo. But like, there is this like it's amazing it's gone on this long. But the reality is that there will have to be a split in the championship. There'll have to be like in club level and all Ireland senior, intermediate, and junior. Uh, that's the best way to go about it. Like I think splitting Dublin is an absolute last resort. Like it's just. I would I would hate to see it personally because like we what happens if we get like North Southern versus South Dublin and All Ireland final like that was just gonna make things ten yeah. times worse. Like the only thing we can hold on to now is you do get your Dublin Mayo games every year, your Dublin Kerry games. But the two thousand four Sean Kelly, like uh, who I think was a good president of the GA, he he made that call in terms of sanctioning that extra funding for Dublin. It should have been pulled back a lot more. And I think Dublin because now we Dublin have so much sponsorship opportunities that they should be taking money from that. So if it was up to me, I would cut a lot of the GA funding going to Dublin, make Dublin become almost self-efficient themselves. That's one option. The other option would be to pull all sponsorships. So, for example, Dublin get whatever, a couple of million a year. Leitrim going to get like whatever, 100,000. Pull it all together, 32 counties, and split it between everyone. So you're still incentivized to get more sponsorship. It's just pooled between counties. That's fair, to be honest with you. It's not Leitrim's fault that they don't have the population. It's not uh, Mead's fault that they can't compete with Dublin and Leinster. And it's not Cork's fault either, although they probably a mess themselves in fairness. So like, I, I do want to say like Dublin did an incredible job. They've, and I know a lot of people like they've set the, they've set exactly what you need to do. Every County should do this, but they just can't like, cause they don't have the demand there for players. They don't have like, you know, the coaches there. Like it's just, it's not, it's not it's what works in Dublin doesn't necessarily work in Galway, for example. So um, they would be my couple of solutions, I guess. I don't know what, what your take is on it, but it's 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 just going to get worse. And and it seems everyone, COVID is almost delaying. It will just kick that can down the road and it'll be all right, which it won't. Like, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a tricky issue, all right, because definitely over, I suppose, as, a, as, a, as the more dominant that Dublin get, I suppose the more people that are going to be speaking out about it. And I think splitting Dublin in two or four definitely isn't the answer, all right, because you can imagine then, like what you said, like if North and South Dublin ended up in a All-Ireland final or, 
or semi-final, it would definitely, you know, cause a, a lot of issues. And I'd agree with you with what you said about the club. Like, I played for Whitehall up until I was about 18, 19. Like, and I remember when I first started, we didn't even have a pitch. We didn't even have a gym. And now there's a state-of-the-art pitch. There's a gym. And, you know, you see some of the players that have come through in the past couple of years, like Cormac Costello, Owen O'Donnell, like a few others. Like, definitely, 100%, something does need to be do- done all right, especially with the you know sponsorship money and, and funding and everything else but it's a hard one because Dublin are such a big draw for the GA as well like obviously I know like probably the attendances have probably started to fall in the past couple of years especially in Leinster because a lot like what you said like I know a lot of Dublin fans even my dad who you know I would have gone to a lot of games but he doesn't bother anymore because he's like what's the point so but I suppose at the same time you know getting to semi-finals and finals they're going to be a big draw especially with the fact that their own stadium essentially is in, you know, their own city. Yeah, well, and it's important to know one thing I said, like, say, for example, that's, you know, I mentioned strength and conditioning. And the, the reason is, it's not like DGA isn't funding any of that. It's funding these games development officers or uh, coaches in clubs, which allows the county board who have extra resources from that sponsorship to put money into like the strength and conditioning, which I think kind of people get confused. But like you said, it, it, I think it was the day that Dublin played Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final. It might have been 2018. And there was, I was actually away uh, and interested myself. And I remember just tuning into the TV and I was like, where, where is everybody? Like, and it was a con- people said, oh, it's because they switched the all Ireland semi-finals to August. I personally think it was just a drop in demand of watching Dublin win every year. And I think it was 50,000 at that all Ireland semi-final where there'd been full houses the previous couple of season- seasons. And it's just been like that mm. with all Ireland semi-finals. I know they got 82 uh, with the Dublin Mayo semi-final, which was 2019, I think. Yeah, so they, when the GA sees that drop in demand, I know with COVID, it's kind of messed everything up here. But I got, like, I would, like... GA is thriving in Dublin, like club, and it, it is amazing. Like you mentioned, the fact that Whitehall now can put like serious coaching and kids are getting such a better experience. But from that, as a result, you're going to continue getting good footballers. I know Karen Whedon said the recently that the production line in Dublin is is not well, not what it used to be. I would you know respectfully completely disagree. Like I don't think you're going to get a better talent than Karen Archer at the moment. I don't think yeah. Karen Whedon mentioned him. You know, so and he's come from St. Moore's, and that's an important point because. I'm not saying St. Moore's weren't producing players in the past, but there's a club that's not the biggest in Dublin, but because of those, and this is me not being involved in St. Moore's, so I don't want to be too ignorant about it, but uh, like the, the chances are they've put a really good underage structure in place with their games development officer in schools, and you're producing players like Kieran Archer where other counties just aren't able to. So the, the important thing is, I know you mentioned Crow Park, like that's an easy fix for the GA. Like, like I thought the All-Ireland semi-final from, against Calvin should have been moved from Crow Park because there was no crowds there. It was the perfect opportunity. And I know Calvin came out to say that they play in Crow Park, but I just think it should be neutral venue to the All-Ireland final and neutral venue to the Leinster final. And There's no reason in particular that Leinster final should be in Crow Park, uh, ticket demand aside in during COVID like this year. But I think there are a couple of easy fixes because it isn't fair that Dublin have essentially made Crow Park their home stadium. You see the players, especially the way they play, they're so widespread on the pitch. They're so used to it. And for example, Kerry play it once a year, like or once or twice a year. So that's an easy, small, easy fix to bring the chasing pack 5% closer to Dublin. It, it wouldn't make a difference in 99% of the games, which is why there's no reason why the GA shouldn't do that. And I think Dublin fans, every single Dublin fan I've spoken to would be delighted to get an away trip. Like I know again, COVID, but before that, we'd always look, what's the away trip? Geez, we'll go to Galway for, for Paddy's weekend or whatever, a couple of years back. It's just, the Dublin fans want to travel. like, And it's the GA just see the money signs which is unfortunately uh, what talks now and I think after COVID it's going to talk even more so I don't see it changing anytime soon 
Yeah, I suppose it's it's definitely a, a, an interesting one, alright. Like I was probably maybe a year ago or two years ago under the assumption that you know everything should stay in Crow Park because it's tradition and everything else, and it's always kind of been in Crow Park. But I think at the same time, yeah, like definitely, definitely traveling, like going down to even you know Cavan or Roscommon or or different counties like that, like in quarterfinals, semi-finals. Like I think the final should always be in Crow Park because it's you know it's traditionally always been and crow park even the leinster finals i'd probably keep in crow park um but i suppose your all ireland semi-finals your quarter finals that's definitely something they could experiment with because you know you have a state-of-the-art stadium there in parky cueve you've got potentially caseman park coming in in four or five years um so you know there's definitely room they they, they, they could definitely put it off like in, in parky cueve caseman park like they'd have the you know attendances to, to 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 do it like and i suppose we've seen that 2014 semi-final i know that game got refixed because of the american football but you know there was a great attendance at that game so it's definitely definitely something they could experiment with yeah i was actually just gonna say, yeah bring that up like, like we talked about it earlier i was there it was absolutely amazing and as a dub so uh, no interest not in no interest in the game but no side in the game seeing those colors down i was like why have we not done this more often and you can go back to 2001 where Dublin played Kerry not once but twice in Sample Stadium Thurlis, like, and they were absolutely incredible games. Full houses where in Crow Park that you know 60,000 or though they might have sold it out would be lost. And like the Super Eights was meant to bring us this, but it was definitely a half-hour effort. But no, no one thought it through at all. Like what happens in the third games when it's like you know games are decided already. Like Dublin's group both years the games were decided, and then they decided to do one game in uh, Crow Park, one home game, one away game. Now for Dublin that obviously meant two games in Crow Park so just just absolutely ridiculous like and then I think they, did they ever change the wording to neutral stadium I can't even remember if they did in the end I think they did at one point but I think they were putting Dublin still in Crow Park as, as a neutral yeah. stadium so like yeah teams get to play two games in empty Crow Park or Dublin yeah, or sorry one game in an empty Crow Park and Dublin get two as one at home one neutral it was just it made no sense and again it was just money talks because they t- season tickets that was the excuse they used um uh I, I don't think that's a valid excuse if you want to go to Clonus, like for example, put them as a neutral venue that would definitely host the, the season tickets. I think someone said from the GA or is on record of saying because the season tickets have to be seated in Dublin season tickets. But like you go around every other county in, in Ireland, that's not the case. So it's just Dublin getting pre- provincial treatment. It's it's not them getting, pre- it's just GA looking for an excuse to, yeah. um, which it, it borderline, like they sh- it, it shouldn't happen. Like, and no Dublin fan wants. Dublin to be in Crow Park all the time, as I said, but I don't want to get too down this rabbit hole. Like the GA at the end of the day, like to grab all associations, as a few Dublin commenters would say. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's just things that are they're easy fixes. There's no excuse for Dublin playing Crow Park like that, um, unless it's all Ireland finals or semi finals. I wouldn't mind too much, but personally, neutral venues like give 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 teams a small chance like Cavan Cavan Dublin in a, I know it was behind closed doors but having that in um Clonus would have been a good occasion like something a little bit different than the game being over after 20 minutes like you know yeah 100% like uh, I suppose there's definitely there's definitely a lot for the for the GEA and, and everyone else to think about like and it's 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 hard to know if they will make any changes to be honest because like I think like what you said before it's going to take probably after COVID maybe for them to actually because at the end of the day it's money it's money that talks and they'll probably need to see a drop in attendances or or something to that effect or, or maybe more and more people speak out about it to the point that they don't have a, a choice but I suppose it's 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 hard to see what they do at this moment in time anyway who, who would you even see like I suppose right now kind of as the closest team maybe to beat in Dublin do you think it would be Kerry 
or do you think even a Tyrone, a Mayo, or even a Donegal could potentially give the the Dubs a rattle in uh, in twenty twenty one? I definitely think Kerry would be the team, um, and I'd have them just. I'd have Dublin, Kerry, and then I'd have those three teams that you mentioned: Donegal, Mayo, and Tyrone. Like I turn on, I don't know what it is about them. They just flatter to see me every year. As soon as I get on that turn on bandwagon in terms of okay, they'll be our nearest rivals. They just don't seem to get there. And I think it might take the coach, new coaching team there a little bit of time to get going with the players. Like it's very hard to ask from one one season to come up with a, an all iron fight, like an all iron title to something Tyrone haven't done since two thousand eight. So I don't think that the I don't think I really just think it's Dublin Kerry like Mayo. Again, those retirements are going to hit them. It's almost, it'll take them two or three years. I do think they'll come back in some capacity. They're, they're well supported county, uh, do a lot of fundraising there to support their county team. And uh, you really see the fruits of it the way they've produced every single year in terms of getting to all Ireland semi finals and finals. But for me, Kerry, like, if they can just find a way to, to play a little, like, I don't know why they're going for this defensive approach against Dublin. Like, I think the way they play, like, they had Dublin beaten, didn't they? Like, they were one point up. Yeah. The, I, I watched it recently, actually. I think they were, they were, there were two points up and actually in the final few minutes they were they were just playing around the back and I actually think if they had have attacked in those final and I understand why they weren't because they were trying to keep the ball to you know because they didn't want to get turned over in midfield or up the final third but Dublin's defence at that point was worn out and like for example after Dublin got the equaliser in Kerry's next attack they scored again so I, I reckon if they had gone two points up three points up like that would have been that but um, but yeah yeah, no, David. I think it's David Moran got possessed, dispossessed. Like they had an extra mm. man, and like you said, like I, I, we find this like playing a little bit with the club as well. You're kind of caught between two ways. You're caught between trying to be too defensive, and and then going for it, and you end up doing neither. So you either got to stick with one or the other. And Kerry were just kind of going down blind alleyways. Now saying all that, it was brilliant dispossession. I think Kevin McMenamin was involved in that dispossession. I, uh, I haven't too. watched it back in a while. Yeah, I watched it in lockdown one. I watched loads of the Dublin Kerry games now, but. Yeah, Kerry had Dublin beat that day against 14 men. Everything went right for them and they couldn't get it done. But saying all that, it, it shows you that they they are like that was an incredible Dublin team, arguably a little bit better than it is now, I guess, because they're two more years down the line. Players are two years older. I I, I think Kerry will, will give Dublin a serious test this year. I, I still think Dublin will win it, but I think Kerry are the team that will definitely put it close to them. Like like Sean O'Shea, David Clifford, they just got to find a way to get their best team out on the pitch. And I saw Pat Spillan recently saying, like, you know, you out of those six forwards that started against Cork, like four of them wouldn't even be in the top 20 forwards in the county. So might, that might be a little bit extreme, but it just shows you that a lot of people in Kerry aren't happy that the team that was picked on the day and they're just going for this defensive approach where 19, they kind of went pretty offensive and they had a chance. Like when, and and like, like I said, that those occasions when Clifford was getting dragged by Johnny Cooper, they were just, that was just brilliant. Like, and I just think Kerry needs to get back to that uh, kick. And even in the replay, sorry, it's coming back to me now. They're playing this high ball into Paul Ganey. Like I, I just like it's the wrong time to start doing. Like I'm, I'm not advocate for doing it, but they just kept peppering balls in, and it just wasn't working. Um, so I think the management have a lot to answer for because I think Kerry did have as good a team, if not a little bit better than Dublin in those years, and the Dublin management just managed to to get enough to, over that they get that Dublin team over the line. But I think Kerry this year, if they get their act together, which is a big if now given what what's happened the last couple of years, but I think they'll be right there. I'm pretty sure it'll be an all iron uh, final between the two teams. Yeah, I think massive pressure on on Peter Keane as well to to deliver. Like especially after that defensive system, like it definitely it didn't make sense in my opinion. Like it, I understand with the conditions against Cork, it, it was probably tough for them in in some certain extent as well. But I think at the same time, yeah, like setting up further down the line to to beat a team and and not you know thinking about the team that you're playing right in front of you. 
and they got caught with their with their tail between their legs in many ways because Cork look listen they could have you know Luke I had Luke Conley on my podcast not too long ago and he even admitted like he was going for the point he wasn't you know he wasn't he wasn't floating a ball in or anything like that you know sometimes you need a bit of luck in those moments but I think when you when you set up the way Kerry set up then you're kind of inviting that kind of bad luck to to, to happen I suppose. Well, even and going back to something Pat Gilroy said, twenty twelve, he openly admitted he had his eyes on Donegal that year, and he had his team. Yeah, he had his team a little bit like, and that was exactly the same that happened to Kerry. Like they, their eye took their eye off the ball. Like it, it happens, and it, it it's not a case that Pat Gilroy was like hundred percent all in Donegal. He just had five ten percent of his mind and five or ten percent of the players, and that's all it takes. And uh, like Donegal got off to a terrible start that day. Kerry never managed to get Cork beat when they should have, and then. It is. It all happened. But go back to Dublin. This just doesn't happen with Dublin. Like they're just so. Like I arguably think their most impressive performances are when they're expected to beat a team by thirteen points, and they actually go out and beat them by thirteen or fourteen points. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd be out, yes. Carlo going. Maybe Carlo now. Dublin. Sure. How would you get up for this game? It's a game against Carlo in Crow Park, or away in Portlaoise or whatever. And they just get it done. Like it's just a well-oiled machine. That's well drilled, and uh, like that's that's proper good coaching. Like the like that other counties should be able to do that little bit of you know rootlessness so that's not down to to money now that's Dublin being you know switched on from minute one um and it's just it's not replicated in other counties or like Kerry I think it's just Dublin because they've won so many All-Irelands they freaked Kerry out completely after winning the five in a row like and as we as we touched Kerry probably should have won that final and the fact they didn't they overthought last year and whether they've got their act together this year remains to be seen but like it is interesting that like other managers like I said Pat Gilroy have taken their eye off the ball you know focus on the all iron final and loads of teams like Donegal obviously losing to Cavan last year like for a prime example yeah. too yeah and I, and I suppose as well like obviously with, with the dubs like I suppose you had that whole training breach situation like do you think that will even fire the dubs up even more now going into the league alongside Kerry Galway and Roscommon like I have a sneaky feeling anyway that because of the the outrage you know by, by you know everyone in the media I suppose that they're gonna you know come out I suppose all guns blazing I suppose in, in these next three games well it's as if Dublin don't need any more motivation so like what's going <laughs> to yeah. be different from the 70 in a row of the, the whole of the country hates us now so that's uh, and if any, if anyone asking you like who to watch out for this year just really those 9 or 10 players that were at that training session the fact they'd go against all those guidelines and risk all that just to get that extra 1% I know like it was terrible they shouldn't have done it but it just shows you Jesus like the the rootlessness and the desire like to get up at six in the morning to train you know with no matches inside uh, obviously they shouldn't have done it like and and two hours you know not to get, go over all ground but like whether other counties are doing it or not it's it's pretty irrelevant like the fact is p- t- people are in training like our my club team wasn't training and seeing them training uh you know pictured as well wasn't wasn't ideal but obviously that's kind of shit pass and they're, they're punishing I think everyone needs to, to move on from it like but yeah it's just going to give some extra motivation and yeah personally I'll be watching out for those 9 or 10 lads particularly the couple of lads who live near me from from Kula who uh, who drove all the way out to Dennis in his falls to train 6 in the yeah. morning I think that they're, they're looking pretty uh, they really want their place this year let's just say so um, yeah it, it, I'm amazed at that, the dedication and the, obviously they shouldn't have done it but you have to kind of laugh at these things as well like you know yeah, I suppose the rules are there for a reason, but I agree with you at the same time. Like I think definitely, I suppose, shows some amount of dedication and I suppose balls in many ways actually to go and do that. Like, uh, you know, especially because I'm sure they would have known the outcome as well. They would have probably known as if they get caught, like this is going to be the, the outrage. Um, I suppose as well, like looking at, you know, obviously the, the under 20s at the moment as well, just moving on from that, like 
I suppose you kind of touched on Kieran Archer coming through like he's potentially going to be I don't know if he's got called up to the panel yet but he's potentially you know in line I think to, to come in and potentially a few more players as well like would you see some of those young lads coming into the team or even many changes in the in the Dublin panel in uh, 2021 yeah like I'm kind of 50-50 because like like Dublin's average age for the starting 15 in the honour pumps I think it was 28 and I would take clucks now that and it goes down a year to 27 so like it's it's right at that peak um, and obviously that didn't include like Brian Herod and Manuel, although they're still kind of around that age, so they wouldn't uh, put that age up at all. So um, like you had Boulder and Small who'd be that 22 mark. And other than that, like everyone was kind of 20, around that 25, 27 age. And then obviously the couple of 30 year olds who, who carried it. So I'd say someone like Aaron Archer would be pretty close to being on the bench. I think Desi really wants to bring, put his own stamp on the team. Like I know that's probably a, a stupid thing to say. Like he'll take an all-iron anyway he can get with any players. But I did think it was interesting that Mannion, I know there's a few things in, rumored about what happened with Mannion, but the fact with Mannion and, and Brian Howard in particular didn't start that final, uh, particularly one, one out of the two, I think it just shows that Desi's like this, I'm, it's going to be my team. And maybe he overdid that a little bit. Like you have to judge Dublin on their standards. I know they won the all-iron, but... They're a far better team with Brian Howard, like who I know Connolly, Jeremy Connolly came out recently saying he'd expect him to partner Fent, and I'd, I'd expect that too. But go back to your, your question, yeah, I think someone like Kieran Archer, like that, that under 20 team got to the RM final last year. There's definitely a, a few players there that could potentially look, step up to the panel. You have to remember, like, that's a year below what it's usually like. Usually it's under 21s until the changes were made, I don't know, 2018 or something. So obviously that's a shorter step that extra year shows that it might be another year or two before some of those under 20 players from last year come up um it just depends it's hard to know like it's obviously like when a Premier League team goes back in pre-season you know everyone who's there uh, the GA is a lot harder like it's even trying to find out a few who's training with who and unless you know a few people like you're not really going to find out until the first league game which is why it was so interesting like the Herd and last week just seeing who's starting who's on the bench oh he's playing he's played started for the Herders that's interesting so yeah time will tell on that I think one or two players but I think by and large like this group of players um, I don't know whether it's COVID or not and they've nothing else to do just keep going but like, like is Cluxton ever going to retire like um, <laughs> yeah. probably not and, like, Dublin, and I think Dublin do need Cluxton in particular like he is a vital cog so I would say when he goes there will be a natural drop off um, with a couple of percent because there has to be like he's the greatest goalkeeper to ever play GA and he's changed that position forever like so but yeah, I, I think I think Kieran Archer, like he he's unreal. I don't know if you've if you've seen him like underage, but every time I watch him, like he he is the real deal. Like and yeah, if, I think if he'd be on the fringes maybe to to get on. But like I said, he'll be in and he'll be like number forty probably, and he has to work work his way up like the rest of them. Like it's mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah, like and yeah, because I suppose with Paul Mannion opting out, like in uh, Paddy Andrews retiring, like there's definitely a space there, anyways. But. I suppose like plenty of good club players and loads of other players coming through the ranks at the moment as well. Obviously, you were touching on the the Dublin hurlers there as well. Like we'll we'll discuss them, I suppose, briefly. Like obviously at the weekend, um, I suppose no, nothing really kind of too much to look into with the Kilkenny defeat. It wasn't really a game with much intensity. I suppose a bit of a challenge game, I suppose, in many ways. But what are you? What are your thoughts on the on the Dublin hurlers at the minute, anyway? Yeah, like it almost felt like we'd seen that game. I know there was the lack of intensity, but I was watching it going. I've seen this game a thousand times. We're level with Kilkenny, but like you know, last quarter, and yeah. we're just going to lose this by three or four points. Someone gets a stupid red. Uh, the Dublin hurlers, like like, and everyone can debate the money. Like it's just everyone see like you look at like Conor Callan's the best one. Of the best. I don't want to say he's the best hurler in the country because that's you know probably unfair. And it's the best club hurler in the country, and he's playing for the footballers. Like and. The Dublin herders, like, we just don't have that. Like the best five or six players 
are playing football like do you know what I mean like even go back to Dear McConnelly like he was a pretty good herder and he was playing with the footballers um, so they're always going to have that issue like I thought it was interesting Sean Brennan started in goal um, whether he gets the number one spot this year you know like he's he's obviously worked under Matty Kenny at Kula winning those couple of All-Iron Club uh, I'm surprised he didn't get a head over the last couple of years or he didn't get the number one spot because um, I thought his club performance was pretty solid but like you say, it was, it, there was a lack of intensity. It was hard to read into things. I think it was a, it was somewhere in the middle between a challenge game and a league game. Um, I think Dublin have their work cut out against Antrim in the championship, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I, I have a tendency to get carried away with league performances at the best of times. But uh, a lot of excuses coming out of Clare, I, I saw. And I'm just like, like, there weren't those excuses when you were, I think, five or six up after 13 minutes. You know, oh, there was a long trip. Like, that's when the long trip happens the first few minutes. And I, I just think there, there was a few really good performance they seem to have got their act together Antrim and um, they got a lot of grief for, like from Donald O'Cusick in particular after winning the Joe McDonough he said um, they're going to get a lot of beatings in the Liam McCarthy and then he kind of doubled down there in the Sunday game last night which I thought I was like fair play he just didn't want to admit he was wrong like he was just like yeah he, he kind of admitted he was wrong and then said but I still think they'll struggle <laughs> yeah, I, I begrudgingly kind of went, you know, I, I, I don't like you more, but you've, you've gone up respect even more if, you, if that makes sense. But yeah, like I think Dublin, like it's like, like remember the year was it two years ago? They leash to be to they beaten uh, Jesus, I can't remember everything locked down, but anyway, they lost the leash after beating Galway, wasn't it? To yeah, qualify right, for yeah, the, yeah. oh Jesus, yeah, I remember that. Um, that's the kind of Dublin hurling mentality that needs to change, similar to what the footballers was a few years ago. And it's not a case that these lads are taking their eye off the ball. It's just one or two percent. That's all we're talking, and you end up losing these games because the, the level's so huge. So I, I wouldn't hold up too much hope for the herders this year. I just feel like it's a deja vu coming. Whether even if we get over Antrim, I can see us not quite getting to a Leinster final, and then qualifiers, you know, all Ireland quarterfinal at best. Um, which is a pity because there's there's some good herders there, but uh, as I said, half of them are playing for the footballers. Which like if you, it's not happening in other counties really, like it's not happening in Limerick, it's not happening in Tipperary, it's not happening in Penny, obviously. Uh, whereas Dublin don't have their best herders to call upon, so it's going to take its toll. I know that we've an unlimited supply of uh, footballers and herders in this county, but it does kind of take its toll eventually. I think so. Uh, yeah, like not that it took too much out of Kilkenny, I just think it's going to be the same old story for Dublin. And in fact, I think Antrim are really going to put it up to them in the quarterfinal, Leinster quarterfinal. Yeah, I think so as well. Like I was even saying that even before the the, the Clare game, like I think Antrim was a, like a tremendous amount of talent in that team at the moment, like with Connor McCann and like Neil McManus didn't even play in any of the Joe McDonough Cup games other than the final, like he came off the bench um, and he's like a, a top, yeah, yeah, like that point he scored, you know, where he just, he sold David Reedy, the dummy, and then just put it over the bar from inside his own half. Like it's just, it's next level stuff. But he sold him the dummy and if you watch it again, like, he only got like a yard on him so it just gave him that extra second but like he was about like that much away from being blocked and it, mm. it sailed straight over the bar 68th minute uh, and I think that was a big win for Antrim I know again three weeks training but like I think the, a lot of results went pretty much as expected which kind of shows that a lot of excuses coming out clear I personally think it, it, Antrim will do well this year uh, before that game and even more so now but yeah it was incredible incredible stuff where it takes a lot out of them but they've kind of done their bit in the league now and Lee McCarthy's obviously the aim for them and they'll be well aware let's put it that way of some comments being made about them uh, stepping up because um, yeah, the thing that annoyed me with Donald Logue was like he was basing it on that Joe McDonough final which wasn't a great game to be honest I watched it myself mm. but like 
these, you know, he, had, he he was clear he hadn't seen Antrim. You know, he was basing it on that one game, and I just thought it was a little bit unfair considering, like, well, like he used to, he was involved in Clare, and now I'm sure, well, on that basis, I guess Clare are going to take an awful lot of beatings this year. Like, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it'd be hard to see with, I suppose, with Limerick's success, obviously, at the moment. Like, they're the, the top dogs in Hurling at the moment after last year's all Ireland success. And you've Galway and, you know, who probably aren't too far away. Waterford, we've seen last year. Tipperary were champions in 2019. So I suppose it's it's hard to see if Dublin can get to that level in the next four to five years. Like, realistically speaking, you know, there's probably going to need to be a new crop of players coming through at under 20 level or, you know, coming from minors to under 20s and then to senior level before you know, realistically, we can say that Dublin are going to win an All-Ireland or at least challenge anyways. Yeah, like like you said, like we need a good underage team coming through and staying together. But like a lot of, like, as I said, like a lot of lads will play minor hurling, maybe under 21 hurling and end up going with those footballers. Like if you had a choice, like look at the, the glory of the footballers or, you know, there's a big project in hurling and I personally think Maddie Kenny could do a good job there. But like how long are, is he, is he A, willing to do it? And B, are Dublin willing to, you know, go down a road and maybe three, four years look ahead? Uh, you mentioned like those counties, like the, what the majority of them have in common is hurling is their number one sport. Like like Limerick or JB Humanis has done great work supporting the underage structures there, but it's all hurling. Like like obviously they're doing work in football as well. I'm not saying that, but you know, ninety percent, particularly at inter county level, is geared towards hurling, and you see that come to fruition. And I actually think Limerick are a little bit ahead of everyone, um, and I, I think they'll retain. Liam again this year to be honest with you because I think they, it's it's a similar trajectory to what the Dublin footballers were on where 2012 they took their eye off the ball like as I mentioned I'm pretty sure Limerick did the same against Kilkenny last year rectified it this year and I think I think they they kind of learn from that and they'll end up um winning winning that all iron or winning the all iron this year but maybe someone like Tipperary will put it up to them but yeah I don't know I think Kilkenny are a little bit below I think Galway are somewhere in the middle like you don't know what you're going to expect but and I think Waterford unfortunately we've seen it before they do well one year and they don't do it the next um i don't know what's happened there but for dublin to get anywhere near limerick's level it's going to like you said four or five years and there has to be a project or something to back um and something to convince a few lads to play the hurling like i'm not saying like lads aren't there's not like a hundred lads choosing footballers but it's, all it is is those three or four lads that are playing football over hurling and you're not going to be able to compete with limerick like yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like definitely, like I suppose with Limerick there, and you look at their underage structure at the moment as well, and even Cork have got a good underage structure as well. Like, it's just very hard to see how Dublin can, kind of suppose claw that difference back at least you know for the next four to five years. But you never know. Like you could have a situation maybe where a lot of the the senior Dublin footballers get older and potentially like Conal Keeney go down and, and play hurling. I was surprised that Dermot Connolly didn't join the hurlers. I know there was rumours there for a while. I thought he would have to be honest, but. Maybe he maybe he just didn't fancy it. Um, that is interesting that he didn't. Yeah, I don't know whether he mm. just well, didn't like the management. Uh, he probably just didn't wasn't arsed really, which is fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, like the fact we haven't maybe seen more players do that since Conal Keeney, I don't know. It probably doesn't speak too well for the hurlers. Like, hmm. I suppose tackling sport. Obviously, you're the the co-founder of that. Like, how how did that come about? And I suppose. Um, how would how would you describe what it is? I suppose to anyone who's listening and probably hasn't um, hasn't seen it before. Yeah, so it basically came from like I, I was meant to be going to Australia uh, before lockdown, 
uh, or before COVID in March, which obviously I think we were flying out in April or May. So obviously that didn't happen. So um, I was kind of like, I was working like uh, in corporate sales and Vodafone and basically long story short, a bit of time in my hands decided to set up a sports podcast, which is something I always wanted to do. And I did it with my younger brother. Like, so like we're both kind of sport mad and we wanted to kind of have a combination of interviewing like really interesting sports people uh, while also doing a bit of a show and maybe kind of previews and reviews of stuff. So yeah, we it started off, it went really well. And what we've kind of done is moved it to more of a, like we, we still produce podcasts like twice a week, but it's more like we do the shows live and then upload them as podcasts after as well. So uh, just to write and get people involved because I think the ultimate kind of goal of what we're trying to do is just have like a sports show um mm. you know a few times a week obviously i'm working full-time uh, sean's in college as well at the moment so it's difficult but at the moment like basically monday nights thursday nights uh we're basically doing like sports show we try and cover as many sports as we can i, I like i think it's important because we've so much passion i have so much other sports outside of ga that i support and i think a lot of people are in that boat as well that like there's ga fans that are premier league fans that are league of ireland fans that are rugby fans that are boxing fans that are cricket fans that are horse racing fans goes on and on so we try and gear the show around the best events while also trying to get interesting guests on to break that up with interviews and stuff so we're just kind of trying to build a bit of following on youtube try and get a bit of interaction and to be honest it's the great crack when we're doing like we do like premier league fan predictions on that's every thursday night and basically it's winner stays on to correct scores out of the 10 and we'd someone win like seven in a row like one of my mates which is basically seven coin flips so that was a bit of crack and just having lads in the comments and stuff like that so yeah if you're interested at tackling sport on all social media it we put a lot of good sports content up there and basically we, we're interested in like if you have any good ideas for interviews or shows but that's essentially it we do we like say for example we're well, yeah, monday night if we're tonight we're doing like a you know football league uh, preview hurting league review might get more into those donal comments that kind of stuff so it's good and we try and get as many people on the show as possible because i know before i set up the podcast i would have loved the show like tackling sport where i could go on and talk nonsense about the premier league or go on and talk even more nonsense about ga so again if anyone's interested in being on the show let us know again at tackling sport but yeah it's been it's been going for maybe eight or nine months at this stage and enjoying it at the moment like like you you've obviously got great stuff here with ga fan tv so if we can be half successful as you know we'd be happy out like but uh i, I said it's great what you're doing like you said you're giving it the voice to fans and we're probably doing something similar in more of a sports overall context as well yeah i think that's the way of the future in many ways i think like you know i think obviously with mainstream media like they'll always have a big pull and rightly so and i think it's it's always a great idea to get the the pros on and, and everything else like i feel like they have a different analysis you know to, to obviously a lot of us but i think as a fan you have a you have a different level you have a different perspective on you know whether it be football hurling soccer or whatever sport you're covering then when you actually played as well like i think it's two different perspectives and i think that's what I think it's probably drawn a lot of people to a lot of the, the fan content, especially over in England and Scotland and I suppose in all the, the other countries as well. Yeah, well, like even they say we would get like all sorts of fans for like Premier League clubs and you get like a Chelsea fan on and I'd have like a certain opinion of stuff and they'd give you an insight because they watch like while I'd watch Chelsea every week, I wouldn't watch I'd be watching the other team, you know, I'd watch it in the background if I'm on my phone, mostly, which is how, let's be honest, 99% of us consume Premier League games these days. But you just get a bit of a different insight. And like you said, the ex-pros, like I remember Gary Neville saying something to Jamie Carragher where he's like, oh, I haven't watched as much Liverpool as you this season. I was kind of, first of all, thinking like you're a Sky Sports pundit, you should be watching their staggered kickoffs this season. So I think in a way, like fans and football fans or GA fans, we end up watching more of the sport than ex-pros because they, they're, they're probably not yeah. as into it as us maybe if that like, that might be harsh and that's a generalization but i think um it, it it 
it bears fruition in most places. So I think it's really important to get as many fans on as possible. I'm always amazed. Like we do that Premier League predictions. And as I said, we all talk nonsense about the Premier League for an hour. But I'm amazed at everyone's knowledge who comes on and everyone's got a different perspective. And you're always like, geez, yeah, that's, yeah, I haven't heard that. Geez, that's, no, I'm not sure about that now. But uh, yeah, it, like you said, that fan content and like Arsenal Fan TV, I know people give a lot of a uh, criticism, but I found a bit of comfort watching a few of the AFTV uh, lads on Thursday night myself. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it could always be worse. Could, could I? Yeah, I, I, I only ever tune in when they lose. Like, I feel I'm bad. I don't know. I'm one of them that, you know, that, that falls, it falls into the trap you know, and only tunes in anytime they lose. Like I don't, like I don't even have that much interest in Arsenal. Really, I wouldn't watch any of their games. But as soon as they lose, I'm, I'm, I'm literally the first person checking to see if they've uploaded. And it's always the same people as well, like DT and Toy, and I suppose rest in peace, Claude. Like obviously him as well. Yeah, they're like it was DT and then Troops. I know Troops works for Barstool now, so he's gone too mainstream now. He's yeah. he's doing it for the cameras. But even when he comes on back to Arsenal TV, he's just normal. But these lads, like they watch the club um like they so like while, while they're not like amazingly tactical insight and when they're you kind of like dt for example when you bear, take away the shout and he actually t- talks a lot of sense and he knows the club so you actually end up learning a little bit more of that i don't know a ray pirate doesn't give you that um i don't think ray Barra gives you much better a few good stories like but when you're looking for that kind of fan reaction or it, it, it's the reason it's gotten big and you obviously know this from ga fan tv like that it's it, the reason it's gotten big is because people want to hear what in the immediate aftermath about are they feel someone feeling the same way about them and agreeing with them or giving them a different perspective which like if you watch the Dublin Mail uh, analysis after the game they're all talking about Dublin funding like no fans are talking yeah. about Dublin funding in that moment like they wanted to talk about the game and how, what it means to Dublin winning all Ireland it doesn't mean as much as it does in previous years they're the conversations you want to have uh, not dented the same old stuff in RT which again they're obviously uh, t- stuck for time and stuff and it gives people that voice but yeah like I said we, we love getting people on the podcast and you, you obviously love the same and it's great having those conversations like and it's it's something that hasn't really kicked off in Ireland uh, as much as England that's obviously due to the Premier League really uh, I guess GA is probably the main place where it will take, kick off and it's obviously kicking off here already like with you guys but it just shows you that that's definitely just going to build and build and you look back in five years wondering how it took so long for these these channels like yourself to get so big like 100% yeah no, I will appreciate the, the support there anyways and look listen I'll, I'll link down Tackling Sport down below for, for anyone to, to check it out so look listen Daniel anyway cheers for cheers for coming on appreciate your time no worries thanks for having me on